to the ether today is thursday january 13th 2022 this episode of the ether is brought to you by orbital command a community validator on terra dedicated to educating expanding and promoting the lunatic community follow orbital command on twitter using the link in the show notes to receive regular threads on terra protocols and yield strategies news resources and twitter space discussions you can also support their community efforts by considering them next time you're delegating or redelegating your Luna. Find out more at orbitalcommand.io. TerraSpaces appreciates their support. Today on the Ether, we have a Twitter Space AMA with Axelar and Terraform Labs. Let's take a listen. All right. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining today. We've got a great AMA for you here in Spaces. Uh, we got Sergey, CEO, co-founder of Axelar, and Jason Stallings from the TFL team and developer relations. How you guys doing? Welcome. Hey, guys. How are you? Happy to be here. I'm super excited to talk about Axelar and, and what you guys got going on. Awesome. Great to have you here, Jason. How are you today? I'm great. Yeah. Just getting my day started. Got my coffee. I'm ready to go. How about you? Awesome. Yeah. Likewise, got, uh, you know, stuck in some travels in the middle. So uh, we'll see how the connection holds up, but should be good. It's awesome. Well, how do you want to do this? Do you you want to kick us off or should I start? Yeah. Do you want to perhaps just kick off and give a little bit more background on yourself and what you're working on day to day? And maybe, you know, I can ask you a couple of questions. You can ask me a couple and we'll just go from there. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. So, um, I run developer relations at uh, Terraform Labs. Um, what that means like day to day is um, developers on Terra are my customer. And so I focus on making sure that they have the tools that they need to, you know, be successful building out their vision on the Terra blockchain. And so um, that ends up being a lot of developer tooling. Um, that ends up being a lot of tutorials and guides, uh, running hackathons and workshops and whatever is really needed. Um, you know, we really want Terra to be a blockchain where people can build um, whatever they want to build. And so, yeah, it's really my job to to help those developers accomplish that. Yep. Makes sense. Um, and I think you guys have done, you know, an amazing job, like building the community and having, you know, various projects build around, you know, the ecosystem. How'd you do that? Right? Like what's the secret sauce and, uh, kind of how, how you guys managed to be, you know, so decentralized and have such an amazing community around you? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think a big part of that is one of the base offerings of the Terra blockchain, which is, are stable coins. So Terra is a blockchain that has 
consensus enforce stable coins. And so what that means is the logic for our stable coins like UST is baked into the core of the blockchain. And so, um, I mean, I think you guys probably know a bit about application specific blockchains. Um, in this case, the application that is built into the chain is UST or KRT, which is, you know, UST is our um, US dollar pegged stable coin. But then we also have the Korean won as a stable coin. And we've got even the Filipino pesos as a stable coin. So um, having all of these stable coins available, I think, makes it attractive to developers who are trying to build applications that are, you know, not dealing with volatile currencies. Sometimes you just want to have a dollar and you want to be able to transact with the dollar. And so, yeah, that's definitely, um, I think, one of the, the reasons why developers choose to build on Terra. Yeah, makes sense. And for those who are not familiar and are joining us today, could you perhaps summarize in a couple of sentences, like how do you achieve stability for these stable coins? What's the underlying mechanism? Yeah, so this is this is where it gets really interesting. Um, the native token of the Terra blockchain is called Luna. And, um, you know, for every... Like for a user who wants to actually create new UST tokens, you have to burn Luna at, at the equivalent value. Um, and that Luna gets burned and then UST gets created. And so basically, you know, it's a it's an algorithmic stablecoin where the the value of Luna can be transferred into the stable coins and vice versa. So if you wanted to, you know, sell UST or exit your stablecoin position, you could do that by minting new Luna tokens. And then um, you would get those Luna tokens valued at, you know, the market rate. And that's one of one of the other things that Terra has going for it is we have this really robust built-in oracle network where you know we have the prices for all of these local currencies and the prices are submitted by the validators and so um you know that was needed in order to be able to do the burn mechanism for luna to the stable coins and so yeah it's kind of a two-part system where we've got the oracle prices and then we've got the burn mechanism which allows you to go from Luna to the different stable coins. And so, yeah, that's, that's the, the base of it. Awesome. Yeah, makes sense. And I guess what separates it from other, you know, stable coins that we see in the market today is that this is, this is decentralized, right? Like you said, this is at the consensus layer, all the validators are participating to, um, you know, secure and provide stability of this as opposed to you know, a lot of the other things that we see in the market, which uh, has kind of a central issue. Right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, I, I personally use USDC quite a bit just because it's accessible to me as an American. But um, there are obviously concerns about uh, the backing of the token. Um, I think we've, we've heard a lot of those concerns recently, um, especially there is a big Congress session on this exact topic and 
you know, I think that's one of the things that makes UST, which is the, you know, stablecoin pegged to the dollar. I think that's one of the things that makes UST really unique is that um, it doesn't have that centralized bank storing a dollar for every token. It's backed by, you know, the consensus of the chain. And so um, it definitely positions it as a decentralized alternative to some of these more centralized stable coins. Yep. Awesome. Makes sense. So what are your plans, right, for the stable coin and in particular UST? Uh, what are some of the short and long-term goals? And, uh, you know, in particular, I think you mentioned uh, accessibility, right, of some of the mm-hmm. other stable coins. And for those who want to access UST, how do we do that, right? Uh, how do we get there? Yeah. So, I mean, one of our immediate plans and, like, immediate focuses is just getting UST to every single blockchain where there is a need or a desire for it. And so, um, you know, all UST is created on the Terra blockchain, but then through various bridges like Axelar or IBC, it's possible to move UST to, you know, different corners of the blockchain space. And so, um, you know, we've been working closely with uh, a bunch of Solana teams to get UST liquidity really going on Solana. Um, we've been working, of course, with uh, Ethereum teams like Curve to make sure that there's sufficient UST liquidity on Ethereum. Um, you know, I think we're also very excited to expand to Avalanche and to expand to some of the other Ethereum uh, L2 solutions and uh yeah, I think that's one of the things that has been really fun is just there's a lot of people who want UST. And so it, it enables me to collaborate with so many teams in the space and just talk to so many people. I think this is a good example of that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what ecosystems would you say you guys are most uh, you know excited about and where do you see um, most of the demand for UST is coming from? Right. So we're currently seeing this is just a short term snapshot, you know, stuff changes every day, but we're definitely seeing a lot of demand on Solana. Um, I think DeFi is just kind of exploding there in some ways, and there's a lot of competing DEXs. And so, um, you know, there's definitely a lot of um, opportunity in the Solana ecosystem. I think we're also seeing a lot of interest and this is these are places we haven't expanded yet uh avalanche and the phantom blockchains um there's some cool protocols that are coming up um there's a, like an ave fork and some other protocols that are looking really interesting and so um you know i think our current focus have been ethereum and um ethereum and solana but there's also uh some incentives happening on BSC and we're trying to work with Polygon. So, I mean, really any blockchain that wants UST can work with us and we're happy to to do whatever it needs to, to make it happen, you know? And, uh, and I definitely think like Axelar is going to be a big part of that going forward. Um, I know that's one of the things that we talk about a lot is, you know, we've been waiting for this, this moment to be able to, utilize like a truly decentralized bridge to bring ust to more places and so yeah super excited about um what's happening 
Awesome. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, you know, if you want to take a decentralized asset, right, and move it across other decentralized platforms, you better have something decentralized in the middle, right? <laughs> or a decentralized protocol. Otherwise, you're, otherwise, whatever protocol you use will be your central issue, right, of that asset. So we don't want that yeah. to see. Yeah. Once it gets bridged over, it, the, the token dynamics change, right? And it it the risk changes depending on which mechanism you use to bridge. And that's something that, um, you know, there's some bridges that maybe aren't ideal that are being utilized today. And I think that was because they were quicker because they were centralized, you know. Um, but I know we're obviously very interested in, you know, a fully decentralized solution that matches our fully decentralized stablecoin. Yep, makes sense. And I guess the goal, right, is, is not just to have UST across these platforms, but also vice versa, is that allow, you know, users that may have UST on these platforms to use different applications, right, that are mm -hmm. building around their ecosystem, which are fantastic. I think, you know, one example is Anchor, uh, which right now I think provides something like 20% interest rate, right, on, on yep. UST. And, um, you know, for me, I think it would be super exciting to see people um, access this application from anywhere they are, right, um, yep. and uh, kind of expand the reach of it and distribution. Um, I guess speaking of Anchor, right? Um, so it provides, you know, today this very good interest rate for UST. Could you tell us a little bit, maybe on the very high level, what is the mechanism does it use, and um, you know whether or not this interest rate is actually sustainable in the long term? Yeah, no, this is a really good question. It's also a topic of a lot of debates in the uh, Terra ecosystem. So Anchor, um, it. It operates very similar to like a traditional lending platform. Um, if you're familiar with Compound Finance or Aave on Ethereum, the basics are the same. You can deposit collateral. Um, right now, it supports Ethereum and Luna as collateral, but Solana and Atom are on the way shortly. And so you deposit the collateral and then you can borrow UST against that collateral. So the main difference here, and I think what makes Anchor really unique is all of the collateral is actually staked um, with validators. And so the collateral itself is earning yield um, somewhere between you know 8% to 15%. And when you deposit that collateral, the yield generated by it gets redirected to the UST lenders. So um, on one side, you've got the lending side where you deposit UST and you earn you know, 20%. The other side is the borrowing side where you deposit collateral and borrow against it. And so it's using the yield of the collateral to pay out the lenders. And I, I think this is what makes it stand out from other lending markets is you know, most of the time, like on compound, the yield for the lenders comes from the borrowing demand. And in this case, that borrow demand is kind of, um, it's supplemented by the yield generated by the collateral. And so, um, you know, each loan is like triple collateralized. And so you've got quite a bit of collateral generating yield for that loan. 
that's then going to the lending side. And so um, I, I definitely think it is sustainable, especially as we onboard more staked assets. Um, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens when uh, B, Adam, or like, you know, Adam gets added as collateral because there isn't currently a Adam lending platform. So it's definitely going to open up quite a bit of, um, you know, demand, I'm guessing or hoping. And uh, yeah, in the in the long term, I think it's really hard to say if it will, if it will be able to offer 20% forever. But um, I think as long as we keep adding, you know, um, better collateral and more collateral, uh, and as long as proof of stake yields are competitive, um, I think it should should be good to go for a while. But yep. again, that's definitely a topic that's being debated a lot in the Terra space in general. Yep. Makes sense. And I guess to get this collateral in, right, you need, um, what, what do you need? Do you need other, um, you know, interoperability or bridging solutions as well um, to help anchor? Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And I, I think, um, you know, we've been partnering with, with uh, Lido on a lot of that part of it because they're like one of the leaders in liquid staking derivatives. And so um, they're definitely handling a lot of the like the infrastructure surrounding collateral and bridging and all of that jazz but um you know in in the case of like uh b soul there's a lot of platforms on the chain that are already offering you know liquid staked solana tokens and so i think there's you know like there's an option for us to work with multiple for providers for each token. And that way we're giving users options and, you know, we don't have to be locked into just one, one source or one bridge. And it's all about what the anchor governance people decide to vote on. Awesome. Yep. Makes sense. Um, and I guess, yeah, I think that's, you know, one of the reasons we're super excited to to work with you guys is that there's a, the demand to kind of go both ways, right. Which is, you have interesting assets that you want to distribute to other ecosystems, but there are other, you know, interesting assets in the ecosystem that you want to bring back to Terra, right? To Absolutely. facilitate like applications like Anchor. So, I, I think like you know, next year is going to be super exciting as we enter this you know multi-chain world, and you know, hopefully, a lot of these usability issues and um, a lot of fragmentation will be addressed. Absolutely. Let me see. All right. Um... You want to you want to switch this around a little bit? Is it okay if I ask you some questions? Yeah, go for it. So, I mean, from the start, uh, I know I've hinted a little bit that um, Axelar might be a bridge of some sort, but can you elaborate on what Axelar is and um, you know what what problem are y'all trying to solve? Yeah. So, on the high level, Axelar is a universal interoperability network that uh, connects multiple different ecosystems, right? So it's not a, you know, it's not a bridge per se. It's a, it's a network and you can think of it as a translation layer that can help you, you know, go from one ecosystem to another, move the assets back and forth, but also move the, you know, information across different ecosystems. Um, 
at the core, there are really two layers that can uh, that contribute to the Axelar stack. There is the network layer, which is responsible for making connections to the different ecosystems, you know, translating uh, message types, routing them across them, and delivering. And then there is the application layer stack that's on top of the Axel network that allows you to build applications that are really multi-chain um, native in some sense, right? So um, one of the goals that we're trying to solve is to solve the fragmentation, the user experience, and this is where the second layer comes in that we're working at. That's awesome. So more than a bridge, <laughs> um, which I think I think bridging is one of the applications that's easy to understand, but it is much more than that, right? It's a lot more. I think you can think of it as a platform, right? I think bridges are inherently, you know, we help go back and define it, are pairwise objects, okay? So what that means is that you go, you know, from A to B, how do you go from B to C? There's another bridge, maybe another connection. How do you swap between them? How do you route between them? And so they don't really extend across, you know, um, many ecosystems. And they also pretty limited to um, token transfers. Many of them that you see today, you know, are still centralized. So you know, the approach that we're taking is to just go back and think, right? How do we really solve interoperability for the for the ecosystem? And, and it comes down to two things. You have to make it easy to build, you know, new connections and you have to make it easy to build cross-chain enabled applications, right? And so kind of the stack that we're working on is kind of addressing both problems at the core. That's awesome. So. I think this, you know, ties into my next question pretty well, which is, you know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of people who are trying to solve similar issues using different mechanisms. Um, you know, I think I, I I know you're aware of IBC, which is popular in the Cosmos ecosystem, which really focuses on just connecting Cosmos chains to each other. Um, I know Polkadot has a you know, their own standard, which allows the similar. Um, and then there's, you know, um, a number of uh, centralized bridges or various stages of, of you know, different, um, you know, yeah, decentralization is a spectrum. So <laughs> people are different spots on the spectrum. Um, how would you say, you know, Axelar compares to some of the other interoperability solutions and Especially, you know, to expand on that, like where do you, where do y'all sit on the decentralized spectrum? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question. Um, I mean, on the high level, right, there is kind of a four properties that I think we provide with the Axelar, right? I think, as I mentioned, a it's sort of decentralized network, right? So just like you know, Terra um, runs a blockchain and a validators to run the consensus um, for the to ensure the stability of UST. Um, Axel is similarly that runs a consensus based around uh, Cosmos SDK and validators are collectively um, responsible for ensuring the um, cross-chain functionalities um, of the Axel network, right? So it's an open network. Anybody can join, submit commands, run requests, kind of run a validator node or a regular node on the network and there is no limitation there. Um, two, it's a it's a universal platform, so meaning that the mechanisms that we're working with, um, as opposed to, you know, a lot of the other solutions that you see there, allows you to easily onboard new chains with as minimal effort as possible, right? So just to give you an example, for certain EVM chains, um, we can run commands through the network and onboard them in something like 10, 15 minutes, assuming the validators uh, kind of register to vote for it, right? So 
no limitations on the consensus, kind of layer one, layer two, um, as long as like the stack is, um, uh, you know, supports certain features, then like that's it. We run it. It's a VM stack. Uh, we support it. And, you know, even if you look at, for instance, like centralized players, like centralized, you know, exchanges or other folks, like they take, you know, months to onboard a new, um, a new chain or a new platform, right? And I think we really build a stack to optimize and make that experience both open and also frictionless. That's um, incredible. Yeah. And I think, you know, the third big thing is that being this um, universal connectivity platform allows us to execute various service features for the ecosystem, right? And I think one of it is very important is this um, routing layer, right? Across, you know, between Cosmos, between EVM chains, between, um, you know, Polkadot ecosystems and so on and so forth. And so what that means is that as more connections are added, um, everybody who's already been connected can just benefit from them and compose without having to build, you know, additional bridges or additional connections. So one new connection opens up right away, you know, ex- connectivity to all other connected uh, networks through the Axel. And, and that's really what gives you um, ability to serve, to serve the ecosystem entirely, right? And, uh, and scale it, you know, beyond just um, a couple chains that you connect through. Right. That's, I mean, I think super important because we see the rate at which, you know, especially new EVM chains come online, uh, think there's a, a new one, at least one a month, probably more than that. But there's a lot happening in terms of like EVM chains. So um, I think it's really smart that y'all worked out like a super quick onboarding for that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think on that, you know, one thing to add is because, again, the network is open and everything. What we've done is we try to expose also the building blocks to make, you know, other types of connections that maybe are not supported by us from day one uh, easier, right? So there are various kind of finality gadgets. There are various uh, multi-party computation cryptographic protocols. There are various, uh, you know, voting gadgets that you can leverage and just build, you know, a connection, let's say, to whatever uh, Rust-based or Wasm-based or um, other ecosystem that, uh, you know, maybe is not integrated through the stack on on day one. And that's really also something we thought about is that how do we continue, you know, extending and building on top of it as opposed to just having to wait, you know, at, uh, at a couple of people, the core team to, to to make these connections. You can go and build it, you know, write a module. You can propose an upgrade to the network um, and down the line, maybe we'll make it even simpler by writing like a couple of smart contracts on the network to make those connections. Right. Yeah. And it it's definitely more than just EVM because um, you're obviously working with Terra and uh, some other non-EVM chains. So, um, you know, I, I think EVM is an obvious target because they have a huge need, but uh, that's shifting a little bit um, to some of the Cosmosm chains. So, yeah, it's super um super interesting how you're able to connect to you know many different consensus engines many different finalities and make it all talk to each other um so yeah this this brings up another question which is um i guess one of my complaints with um current you know interoperability solutions is if i bridge and you know let's say we're going to bridge to um, avalanche and i want to bridge ust 
from Ethereum to Avalanche, and I bridge UST from Terra to Avalanche. Um, you know, a lot of times those will come across as two different tokens, and so that creates you know a usability problem, which is that you know you now have two different versions of the same thing uh, on on the chain, and you know I've been thinking a lot about you know, the fungibility of, of said assets. And so I'm curious, you know, does Axelar have any solutions to this usability problem or what are your thoughts on that? And, you know, this could, could be for future looking, of course. But yeah. I'm just curious. Yeah, no, I think this is a, it's a, it's a great question. Um, you know, my strong, I think belief is that in the long term, the users are not going to be, you know, exposed in the bridging technologies period right so what that means is that the world that i want to see and the world towards you know which we're working with our stack is that an application can just integrate you know an asset let's call it you know usc and allow users to use this asset within the application from anywhere they are right from any wallet from any blockchain that they could originally have a version of this asset, right? So if you have it on, you know, Terra and you have a wallet, there is, um, you know, a way to interact through this wallet with an application that's that's built on, you know, Avalanche. And uh, in this process, the application would have to, um, you know, perhaps modify the stack a little bit and um, include like some of the application layer protocols that uh, we are working on also. Um, but underneath it, there will be all the bridging uh, kind of done transparently for the for the users, right? And that may involve even a couple, um, like let's say like bridging paths that you could take to deliver an asset from the source chain like Terra to to an avalanche, and maybe you you know you swap between one version of this UST to another version of of UST underneath it. But user gets exposed to you know one unified view in some sense, um, and the developer then just decides, okay, you know, I think this is a good decentralized solution. Maybe maybe this is another good decentralized solution. I, I can you know to minimize my risk somehow. Maybe I can work with them together. Um, it's not as trivial as I make it sound. I think there are you know some security <laughs> challenges to this. If you know if one solution breaks, uh, what happens with the other? Um, but the world towards which I want to work. To is is that yeah users don't go through the bridges don't see various versions and it's sort of unified at the at the application layer by the developers right that makes sense and i definitely believe in the same vision um you know i think a couple of years ago when i was imagining what a multi-chain world would look like um i definitely wasn't imagining like double and triple wrapped assets and so I think we have to work towards a solution like you're describing where um, it is more transparent to the user. Um, I've been in a situation where, you know, let's say I bridge from the Cosmos hub to Osmosis, and then I bridge from Osmosis to Terra, and I now have a double wrapped asset, and it's just a very confusing user experience. So um, I think... I, I agree. The the solution is probably just better integration, um, integrated wallets, multi-chain wallets, you know. Um, I definitely think that's going to be important in the future. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, there are two paths to it, right? Like there's like step one, you build good connectivity and just basic, you know, infrastructure underneath it to make those connections secure and reliable, right? And two, and then you improve the application layer uh, and the usability of it. I think we couldn't really improve the application layer and usability until, um, you know, I think this year pretty much where um, connectivity um, in a decentralized and robust way will be hopefully coming to life, you know, including through Acceler. Um, and then from there, you know, we focus on the on solving the layer above it, which is the, the interaction with all of this, with all of these different assets and applications. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, one of the reasons why we're doing this AMA is to discuss the recent mainnet, main, mainnet rollout, um, of Axelar, uh, could you expand a little bit on what that means? Like, is the chain running today in mainnet? Um, is is bridging currently possible, or you know, when do you expect? I I, I know I, I heard about satellite, um, which is going to be one of the I think first you know web interfaces or DApps built on top of Axelar. Um, can you give a little details on what the rollout looks like and kind of what the next steps are for y'all? Yeah, that's no, a great question. So effectively, what this means is that, um, you know, we spun out a version of the Axelar mainnet and started producing blocks on it and uh, um, setting up initial connectivity across the networks, you know, including uh, Terra, you know, Moonbeam, sort of Avalanche, um, a bunch of other ecosystems as well. and um, you know, the next weeks are going to look for us as um, switching a lot of the uh, or onboarding a lot of the partners to this network, right? So including the validators that have been participating with us on the on the test six months, um, helping us build the network and giving us feedback. So we're going to be onboarding them uh, to the mainnet, increasing the validator set, um, flipping various, you know, dashboards and tools and the front ends that have been in works on the network to the, um, you know, to the mainnet instance and, um, you know, subsequently um, really rolling out and making this um, accessible to, to everyone, um, including, you know, some of the, we are, you know, working on to encourage um, USD to go and flow across different ecosystems with you guys. Yeah, I know we've really been looking forward to this. Um and uh, the the team really talks about Axelar as a solution to a really difficult problem. And so, yeah, beyond excited to have, you know, I think first off, congratulations. I know um, getting a chain online and all the coordination that happens, it's, it's kind of insane. So, uh, yeah, definitely um, really looking forward to, to seeing things spin up and roll out. Um, I've got one more question which is um around nfts uh i can see a lot of you know people from the terra ecosystem ecosystem listening to this call there's a bunch of uh nft avatars out there um that's one of the things that's been kind of exploding on terra is just nfts in general and um i think it's a, a really challenging problem to bridge nfts because of the different metadata standards that exist and um, you got to be able to translate from one standard to another standard. Um, I'm curious, you know, do you see Axelar potentially being a solution to this or, um, you know, does it enable potentially NFT bridging in the future? 
and um, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I mean, I think one of the um, one of the things that we've done is that allow just an arbitrary general message passing through the platform, right? That we're gonna also enable in a com- in a coming months. Um, what that means is that you know you're not limited to pass kind of assets and information that uh, was built by us or by the team. And so what that means is that if you're working on NFT or um, you know any other asset, really, you can um, build your own kind of smart contracts on top of it and build your own, you know, protocol and then leverage the, um, the, the actual network to route it and deliver it and finalize it across, um, across different environments. And we'll provide some templates. We'll provide some examples, how to do this and how to make it, you know, easy and accessible. Um, but, you know, depending on what standards you have, maybe you have to tweak something or you have to customize it and all of that is going to be available. So um, there is no limit there. That's awesome. So, I mean, that sounds pretty reasonable. I've been trying to keep this high level, but, you know, basically a smart contract on each side, a message goes between the two, tells it to either mint or hold as an NFT. That seems very doable and not not that difficult. Yeah, I mean, exactly, right? Uh, and then from there, like, you integrate those contracts with applications directly, right? So you can imagine a world where if you have an NFT, you know, you want to, you know, take a loan against it, right, in an application on a different chain. And so you can issue a request to this contract, um, you know, use the underlying interoperability infrastructure to deliver it to the other ecosystem um, and then call, you know, a contract on the destination chain that, you know, locks it, gives you um, some type of asset as, uh, in return for this collateral. And, um, you know, you go from there. So I think we've been in the world where, the you know we issued a lot of these nfts i think over the last year and i think next year or two is going to be you know seeing interest in applications around them and then making them accessible to anyone right that makes sense um can i ask one more question which is uh we've heard a bit you know we know axelar is working with terra um i believe axelar is working with avalanche and you mentioned moonbeam uh what are some of the other opportunities or networks that you're working with or wanting to work with in the uh, short term? Yeah, I mean, there are a bunch of others, right? Um, I think in general, you can think of it as a, you know, right now as a kind of translation layer, right, between the entire Cosmos ecosystem and uh, a bunch of other ecosystems, including EVM chains. Uh, we're also working on a proof of work module that will support assets like Bitcoin. Um, and uh, um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for EVM chains is like pretty straightforward, uh, for us to onboard, like I said, um, for any Cosmos chain effectively, what you can do is you can issue an IBC, um, you know, transaction to the Axler and then use it as a, as this cross chain la- routing layer to deliver your asset to all the other ecosystems that we're supporting. Right. So if you're either building an asset within the Cosmos ecosystem and want to distribute it across others. Or the other way around, like you see some assets in the ecosystem on EVM chains or somewhere else that you want to get into your um, application, um, you can make um, this IBC connection and then leverage the the protocol to to give you this distribution channels. That's awesome. So there's no limit to the uh, potential here, which is, I think, what makes it like especially exciting. Um, I think it's a a new breed of um, of interoperability, especially 
like you guys are leveraging the Cosmos SDK, similar to we are, which brings a lot of advantages. And yeah, definitely looking forward to collaborating in the future and seeing where this partnership can go. Awesome. Likewise. Well, thanks, Jason. I think this was a pleasure chatting with you and I'm looking forward to all the future together. Absolutely. All right. Thanks everyone for joining as well. We'll talk to you later. Yep. See y'all. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was an AMA with Axelar and Terraform Labs, recorded on Thursday, January 13th, 2022. Today's episode of The Ether is brought to you by Orbital Command, a community validator on Terra dedicated to educating, expanding, and promoting the lunatic community. Follow Orbital Command on Twitter using the link in the show notes to receive regular threads on Terra protocols and yield strategies, news, resources, and Twitter space discussions. You can also support their community efforts by considering them next time you're delegating or redelegating your Luna. Find out more at orbitalcommand.io. TerraSpaces appreciates their support. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Watching these debates like what a bunch of noise when the illusion of choice outmaneuvers your voices. No one really knows what the fuck is going on here. Sitting in the bunker, waiting for the all clear. It's like we're getting steered towards the motherfucking iceberg. Captain all drunk deciphering where the ice lurks. And we thought 2020 was gonna be a nice year. Living with the plague like who brought the mice here? Try to think of it as another simulation. Game full of bugs but it's still fun to play. It's like we're aliens beta testing earth. Digging in the dirt trying to earn a little girth the beast is silent when it defeats the riders living outside trying to meet this virus if you want to watch it all burn from the sky rise delete the science and increase the righteous living like a jerk return to feed the worms vibing like a tree just breathing out the words be careful outside them police is violent feeling like i finally earned some peace and quiet piece of pie first trying to be the fat kid you least admire feast of fire when the beasts of burden are getting all bored but at least we're certain we found the imposter living among us fussing with hunches another big chungus bludgeon don't worry the fungus will clean up the guts and get us to function on fleeting assumptions i see through the rust from rush to rush now we're stacked up like a bunch of junk so hush your muff before we stuff your luck and break your fucking neck to this like bust a bust Bleeding impulsive, the meeting controls it When breathing corrosive, no eating the bullshit Feeling the worth like it's gonna be a good year Now we're all tired, stop treading on the work here Is the...